Welcome to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast, hosted by your boy right here, Anthony Spada. And today's guest is Nick Gloff. All I could say about Nick is that he is one, one strong motherfucker, both physically and mentally. Today's topics involve going over more of the mental health side of bodybuilding and what Nick has dealt with in his past and what makes him really that strong when it comes to squatting, deadlifting, and more, and what allows him to take it to that level. It's really impressive to see from him, and it was a cool discussion. So I am more excited. I don't want to keep you guys waiting. Link to coaching and all the other things are in the show notes. Link to find Nick is in the show notes. So everybody, let's get to the episode. Welcome on, Nick Gloff. All right, guys, welcome to the this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast. I'm here with uh, Nick Gloff. Um, we talked a while now. It seems like over Instagram, uh, I followed him a long time ago, found him from Train by JP, which is pretty interesting. Uh, we were talking about this before he before we started recording that it's actually a big honor to be shouted out for your, the way you train if you are by Jordan Peters because he's one of the most legendary trainers that seems to be right now um and i appreciate nick coming on because he just trains really hard and i just recently started implementing that type of training into my into the way that i kind of lift and everything so i wanted to get a guy that has the same perspective and go into that more in depth so uh nick welcome to welcome to the podcast and uh just give a little background to yourself about who you are um and we'll just get in more deeply into your background. All right. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, so, yeah, my name is Nick Gloff. You can find me on any social media, basically under just Nick Gloff. I like to keep it simple. Um, so as far as my background goes, I'm 22. Been training for about 10 years now. Uh, got my start in, you know, just... I guess, physical activity as a structured thing when I was about 12. So I started off just doing football. So I was kind of a, I was a big kid. <laughs> um, big, not in a good way. Big, you know, very large. I was very, <laughs> very wide. Had a, could have had my own gravitational pull at that point. Um, so... I ended up getting into football just because a friend of mine that I was in class in what must've been like fifth grade, I think fifth grade, good friend of mine that I had made over that year. He was like pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And I just finally decided like, Hey, I got to do something. Maybe this is something I could be good at. Got into it. And then, um, lo and behold, I had to lose about 40 pounds Oh. To, be able to actually even play because there was a weight cutoff in that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So to be a lineman, I had to be under 120 pounds. And I was like, 
At 12 years old, I was like 160. Oh, like where I'm at right now? That's okay. It's cool. Um, yeah, but like, don't credit yourself because that was not a good 160, obviously. I lost it. But it was about two, three months. So it was basically over like the first half of the summer that I got that down. And that was my first introduction into like really like structured physical activity training, stuff like that. So through that, I kind of figured out that I kind of like pushing myself. And then that kind of led me into exploring things a little bit deeper, did some things with football. I wrestled for 10 years and just like all the experiences that I accumulated through doing structured sport added to my experience of actually training myself. I didn't get into an actual gym until I was about 16. Okay. Yeah. I got in at 17. Yeah. So you're like, a lot bigger than I am though. And we're the same age. So. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> at 16, I got to go to my local gym and started then. And well, that's not completely true. At about 14, I was getting in. Yeah. I was supposed to be there. Uh, so I wasn't there like super frequently, but I was there enough. Yeah. Uh, Cause actually my wrestling coach was the guy that owned the business. Uh, yeah. So like I could, I could kind of squeak by in front of the front desk people and be like, I'm a wrestler. I'm, I'm allowed to be here. And just, <laughs> so, uh, I would do that every chance I could, but I was officially starting in like six, uh, 16 years old. And up to that point I had been training like twice a day on my own at my own house. Oh shit. Yeah. 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 So I was like working all the time and I ended up not really realizing it until like junior year of high school that I liked the training more than I liked the sport itself in both of the things that I did. It was football and wrestling. So once I made it through um, the end of my senior year, I just kind of decided like, I'm not going to continue to wrestle, which would have been the sport that I would have done if I continued into college. Um, one, because of just time management. I knew that I was going to have a big, a large amount of things I had to do, at least just to get through school. Yeah. I didn't want to have that extra thing. And also, I didn't think I could wrestle with a team that wasn't the team that I grew up with. So I just continued on with training. And at that point, at about 17, that was when I started really, really taking like bodybuilding seriously. Yeah. How did you, uh, how did you like get, so when you started to take it seriously, um, we kind of got into how you got into fitness, starting mm -hmm. with the football thing. Um, what was it like to lose? I just want to know, what was it like to lose those 40 pounds though in like two to three months? Like, <laughs> especially at that age, yeah. um, a lot of people don't go through like a weight loss transformation like that until like, like you see it when people begin at like 16 or 17, um, that people might lose that. What was it like to go through that at like 12 years old? Like, like not even like physically, but also like psychologically for you. Like, I'm going to assume it was a good thing psychologically because you were able to play football, yeah. but like, did it have like a negative impact on you too? Having to lose that much weight that quickly? Uh, it was definitely not mentally easy as you could expect. Yeah. It was a lot to do all at once. Um, at the end of it, I shouldn't have made the weight, but it was like the typical, like you have like six, seven pounds left to lose. You're, you're dehydrating. You're not eating for a week. Like all of those kind of tactics had to get done so that I could get just under 120 to be able to be good. Yeah. So 
I didn't make it all the way there, you know, by my own means. Like I didn't sit under 120 after that point. Like I had established that. I was at like, you know, like what? I was probably at about 130. Okay. At that point. And then like throughout the season, I just kept on going back to my normal. (laughs) So I went up to probably like one middle 140s by the end of that season and stayed roughly around there. So you were decking kids. That's what you're trying to say at 12 years old. Uh, uh, we can talk about that a little bit, but, um, so mentally it was, uh, I can give some background on what really got me into the football thing. So yeah, yeah that'd be great. When I was like a, a little, little kid, I was really active. I had, okay. I had friends that lived like right in my backyard that I was with all the time and just spent all of my days with them. So I was outside doing stuff whatever it was that we were doing basically from the time the sun came up until it went down. So that was yeah. just kind of the way I lived. And then there was a day when I was 10 that like, I just had this weird stomach pain and it was like persistent all day long. And I just kept on coming home, you know, telling mom like, Oh, I, something's wrong, but now nah, I just go back outside. Okay. So like that just repeated all day long and I knew yeah. something wasn't right. And then, you know, went to bed that night and just same thing. I was like, there's something wrong. And then just like, nah. And then at some point I came out of my room and I was like talking nonsense and like hallucinating. Oh, really? Holy. Yeah. My appendix had burst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that happened and I got admitted to the hospital, obviously. And then like that started a, like, I was put into the PICU for over a week. I was like on death's door for a little bit. I see yeah. on the table when I showed up. At oh, the shit. Yeah. Like if I wasn't there, like right then, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. That's, so, that's actually crazy. Cause that's yeah. like, cause I know people who've like, they got it when they were on their bus in elementary school and they're like rushed to the hospital right away. And yours is like, like, did they tell you how long it's been since it burst when like they like, got it done? Like, it were they like, like when I was like on the ride in to the oh, hospital? Shit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So like I was in the emergency room waiting room. And then as soon as I got in to talk to somebody while I was sitting there on the table, like just seized, like it was, that was what right there. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it was another like two weeks that I was in like intensive care to try and like get me okay. Yeah. Like that two week time, because of what the implications are of that happening, like you're not allowed to eat anything. You have a a line in you that feeds you and that's just basic essentials. Yeah. Just basically keep you alive. Um, So you're starving the whole time. You're not able to move. Like I was so weak that I couldn't even like pick up my arms. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So by the end of it, like the struggle was to be able to actually get myself to stand up by myself without using, you know, the pole having all the fluids in it. Yeah. Like that was the thing that I needed to do for me to get out. Now, anyway, that's, that's a whole other, whole other rabbit hole that we don't need to travel. Um, but any, anywho, that whole story is just to set up for, like, I ended up, because I was a kid and I didn't understand, I had built an association around, like, physical activity because that was what I was doing at the time that, like, this whole ordeal set in. Yeah. I didn't know that I made this association, but I associated, like, 
physical activity with horrible pain and experience just because of that thing. So that's a, that's a big association. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like it brought me to a near death experience and I was like, okay, um, so I'm just going to avoid doing things that are scary right now. That's not what I thought consciously, but that's kind of my actions mirrored that. So next two years between 10 and 12, like I just sat doing nothing for the entirety of two years, just playing video games and eating food. So hence from being like skin and bone at the end of the whole like hospital thing. Yeah. To then was like a 160 pound kid and and then dropping back down. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up getting to that point and I just knew that like, I'm better than this. You know, it's just that revelation. Like if I keep doing this, I am not going to be the person that I want to be and I'm not going to have any opportunity to change. So it was like one of those pivotal moments in my life that I was like, okay, if there's a time now is the time. So my friend, Eric, he convinced me into doing football and I took that, got into it, knew that I had to make that huge commitment and ended up, it was from day one, I had to start, like I was running for hours a day, eating basically nothing, only like protein sources and vegetables only drinking water, which was like a new thing to me to only consume water. Yeah. (laughs) It was basically eating a complete crash diet. Basically now that I know what it is, I was having a um, protein sparing modified fast for the entire. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy, dude. That's actually like more insane. But now I understand when, this is going to lead to probably the later subjects with your training style, what you're and how you train. Uh, so my kind of turnaround point, if you didn't know my story, I don't know if you ever saw it. Um, I attempted uh, suicide when I was 17. Um, it was my junior year it was right before I got into fitness. It was kind of everything was going up and down at the same time. Um, I got into fitness around May that year, so about five months later. Lacrosse kind of saved my life between that point, uh, having something as a distraction piece. But fitness was kind of the turnaround point, and I haven't had the best fitness journey out of anybody. Uh, I lost my way also my freshman year to partying and stuff like that, and then I got into, last year got into alcohol a lot after turning 21. Uh, So more, once I started to create this, uh, this podcast in August is really when, and I hired my coach who we're about to end actually on Sunday because I want to try things on my own for a little bit and kind of do things just to see what I can do on my my own. And that's like when I started to turn around and I was like, this is, I use everything that, I, that has happened as my fuel for how I train. And I purely understand going through that testament. Like that was that January to May point for me, my junior year was probably the hardest mentally. And I don't think, like you said, I wouldn't be here if I went, if I went through it that in Jan, in that January. Um, but it was like the scariest moment, but forever grateful for what had happened because that's now the fuel that I need to succeed. So it's kind of cool hearing your story. And that's like 
that's a pretty hard association to have too with physical activity with pain uh-huh. especially especially thinking about it now for you the way i see you train um is that you wouldn't think about it but that's what pushes you to the next level i'm assuming correct yeah that that's just a very small portion of yeah. my that fuels the way that i do things now but it's that's that's the beginning yeah so yeah. how did so with that so so you got into fitness so you got into your gym around 14 you realized it you at like 17 you wanted to take it real seriously um so when you started taking it seriously who did you kind of what'd you what'd you do like how would like what was the way you kind of trained? Did you do like full body and stuff like that? And did you like, I'm going to assume you researched and read a ton because the way you, based off the way you post, giving you credit with this too, is that like you have a lot of knowledge behind it. And you talk to a lot of the best people, it seems like in the industry sometimes, like Chris Spearman uh, and Ben Bukulski and all them, it seems like they they know exactly who you are. Um, so. I, I work with Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're in though with the best, with some of the best of the best when it comes to the fitness industry. So how, like when you got into that, was it like an all in mentality? Once you hit 17, you were like training is like, what's going to get me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at that point didn't really think that like training is what's going to get me somewhere so much. Cause like that, the way I think about that statement is it kind of runs congruent with like bodybuilding is going to make me money. Yeah. Which is not a thought that occurred to me because at that point I had already knew like, it's not, that's not, (laughs) not. so a pro bodybuilder is not an NFL player. Like it's not the, the pro doesn't mean the same thing in those two sports. Oh, especially money, especially money wise does not mean means a whole lot different, but it's also, they both have a ton of sacrifice, but sacrifice in a different way. Yes. Yes. And one of those sacrifices is knowing if you're going to be the best in the world at bodybuilding, you'll, you'll have money. But yeah. if anything below the best in the world, you might not. You're fighting, you're fighting that, you're fighting that paying the bills type thing. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so go through that kind of your starting phases of serious training, um, getting into that 17 year old point. I'm assuming. I think everybody goes through this where they get serious is kind of, they just have a ton of fun with it. You don't really think of it as serious until like, that's how I thought about it. Like I didn't get really serious. I just had a ton of fun with training and progressing. So kind of go through like how you started to take things more seriously, like what you did. Um, Like I said, like you look up to people, did you do research and stuff like that? So if you want to go into how you went from there to getting to like, kind of, I guess like, within your college years and improving throughout those times? Well, from when I started doing things in the first place, um, just when I was young, young, training in in my own house, just doing my own stuff. That aside from wrestling and football and everything, I still like, I had like that pain association we talked about. Yeah. I ended up really embracing that. That's the only, only way that I made it through like doing that first uh, transformation. So that association plus kind of the the place that you need to go for you to be a real force in aggressor, in a leader in football or wrestling, both those sorts of things, the kind of place that you need to be personally for you to take that on 
And for you to be somebody that can put on a smile when you can't breathe, when you're just down and out and somebody's like got you in trouble, they yeah. figure out a way. So that's kind of the way that I've put together my mentality on all training from that point on. And it's never changed really since I was young. So me having fun with my training was taking it as far as I possibly ever could every time. That was the way I had fun with it. So from the time I was just starting and getting access to the gym, like everything that I was doing was trying to move the heaviest thing I possibly could and doing it for enough reps for me to feel satisfied. <laughs> so at that time, like my favorite thing when I was really getting into it is I don't know why I got attached to it so much, but I really liked to dip. Mm. It's were awesome for me. I just loved it. So I started off barely being able to do them. And then I ended up doing like body weight dips for basically cardio. Yeah. Which was really fun for me. And then at that point I started using like the dumbbells that we had, the fixed dumbbells in the gym. Yeah. And I started suspending them from my waist with a, with a weight belt. Yep. And by the time I was 15, I could hang the heaviest dumbbell that they had at the gym, which was a 140 pound dumbbell and do dips with it. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> from being that young, I already had the ability to go there and really push myself no matter like what level I was at already. Cause I wasn't always that strong, obviously. Yeah. But knowing that I could always take it further was something that was always in there. And that was always the goal. So, and also I definitely have a gift for getting strong. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't take that off of myself here. It's like everything that I did, it was purposefully for the reason of getting stronger, getting bigger, but I definitely had, help from my parents yeah it's so. a a lot of people don't attribute but it's a lot of the gen, like i hate saying it because it's like one thing a lot of bodybuilders really don't like is saying like genetics play a huge role but mm -hmm. genetics play a huge role <laughs> but and, before saying anything about genetics you have to also think about like what did you do to nurture those genetics yeah like if you have them, it doesn't matter. If you did all the wrong things while still having them, you're not going to make it to where you could have. So I have no problem with saying that genetics helped me get to as strong as I, I am right now because I know it's a reality. Because even, even after going through all of that time and maybe being able to tell myself that genetics wasn't that big of a deal, being where I am now, and I can look because Instagram is now a thing, and I wasn't really a part of social media like to any degree back then like at yeah home. so i didn't know who anybody was like, i was <laughs> doing my own thing like that's something else i can say like all these people that we look up to in the space the people that like i like you said that i'm like kind of talking with and you know jp and people of the like matt jansen all them like the people that we look up to for training motivation and their style i didn't know any of them existed <laughs> yeah so I was just doing what I was doing basically quote unquote before it was cool. Yeah. I think that's, it seems like that's what a lot of people were doing. It's kind of like you think about it in a way that it's like every, to truly be honest, that's what like the nineties bodybuilders were. It was like you showed up to the show. No one really knew unless you were in the magazine, no one really knew what you were doing mm -hmm. until you showed up to the show and saw what work they put in, mm -hmm. which is, 
I think it's a really cool thing too. But I do want to touch on something too. When you, so you're able to take it. So you were able to take it to that point using those like dark, painful kind of. All right. So, um, going into that, did you did you use those? Did that painful kind of mindset come into you when you were like 17? You started taking it seriously. Like, did you dig that deep when you were going into sets? Like you do now, like you talk, like we'll get into it more when we talk about your training style. Um, I just want to know, did you dig deep into the dark memories when you were pushing yourself to the absolute limit? Yeah. And did it affect you kind of like, like if you look at someone, um, I don't know if you listen to, do you listen to um, the It's Just Body Bone podcast with like, yeah. with Dusty and them? And yeah. you heard James Hollingshead go into it and he's like, yeah, I'm kind of fucked up in the head for like a few days after he's yeah. done like doing that did that affect you mentally too as like a teenager when you were i'm gonna assume that you had other focuses too with the sports but did that affect you kind of like the way you were in situations with other people and like kind of like just social situations like that have like did that leave that type of stamp that it left him where he's just kind of it drains him like completely every single time yeah. Hey, everybody. I want to interrupt this podcast to let you guys know on something that I've been working on. And I want to take it back to two years ago when I signed up with a coach, my first ever one. And I signed up because I had no direction, no experience with nutrition, no real experience with working out, no true kind of mental push that I needed. And I got all those benefits from it. I gained about 40 pounds, put on a ton of weight, muscle, um, got mental gains. That's the biggest thing that I want to stress. And now I'm giving it to you guys. I've been learning from others, been reading a lot, been using knowledge, getting a few certifications to really enhance other people's lives. And I've been working with a few clients already about six clients in total and i'm opening up my coaching yet again for up to 10 spots so if you guys are interested and you really want to get benefits and now is the time to start with all these gyms opening the link is down in the show notes to sign up for the coaching and all you gotta do is fill that out and we'll get on a call all right guys if you really want to make change now is the time to do it and i am the one to lead you there all right, everybody, let's get back to the episode. Um, I was kind of there in that sort of a place from the time I was 12. Yeah. And I was kind of perpetually okay. there up until about two years ago. Mm. Like I was forever always that way. Yeah. So I used, I used training in a, all the way through that time very unhealthily mentally, where it was a thing that I needed for like, because I – it was the thing that I enjoyed. I still enjoyed it, but I used it as a weapon against myself, sort of, is the way that it was, the way that it is now isn't that way. But that was just kind of looking back on it. That's kind of the way it was. So it was, it was developed over like more experiences than just the one that we talked yeah. about already. There was a whole lot of things that went into the mentality that fed what I did. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, I can say the same things as what James has said on it's just bodybuilding. Um, not to make reference to him or take his words from him, but 
when you do go to a place like that, that is just fueled by your deepest insecurities, deepest fears, deepest angers that are just built into you over the years of your own experiences. They're always there, but when you really take them out, you take them out of the box and you look at them and you try to use that. It's, it's the mentality that surrounds those memories and those associations that comes out and needs to be there. Cause that's the fuel. Yeah. But if they're actually an experience or a thought that is that powerful, then you can't just pull that out and then recover immediately. You can't just flick it on and flick it off. Those things, once you're there and it's that strong for you, it will stick for a while. And it takes usually a couple of days for you to get the black cloud to go away. Yeah. And I totally resonate that now with, I think I've done it to truly be honest. I've done it about three times, I think in the past two years, kind of when I've, or in the past year when I've seriously been training where it's like, shit, I really don't remember. Like you don't remember the training session that much. Like it's kind of just like you, like it's not like it feels like you don't go through the motions, but it's like everything kind of just feels like it's nothing when you're touching a weight, like it's just a number. Um, and I like, and I was so pissed off at work for like the next like two, three days afterwards each time. And I was like, I'm just like, but I don't remember the weights. Like, it's just like, like I remember putting the numbers in my logbook, but that's it. It's like, I don't really yep. don't remember the feeling because you kind of just, and it's really hard. I think I cried during one of the sessions actually, which was like the toughest moment because I was with my training partner and he didn't know I could go that far until he pushed me to go that far. And I honestly think it was a revelation when he did it. Like that was the first time I've ever gone that far. And he was like, what the fuck just happened? And I was like, no clue. (laughs) But the training sessions, those have quite possibly been some of the best training sessions I've ever had, which sucks to say, but it's awesome to, it's awesome in a way to experience it because I think you need to as as it seems like I think me and you could probably agree on this is that going going to that place has brought out some of the best physical standpoints that we can achieve when it comes to what you can handle actually in the gym like a lot of people grossly underestimate what they can handle and and it's from this that kind of hurts them a lot and getting not even looking straight it literally just goes right past that gate and you're just like fuck (laughs) um so i think it's just kind of cool to see that we have that in common i think that's what connected with me right away with you is that you went to that point i think that was one of the first few posts i saw from you was you discussed your going to that point and how difficult it is to get back out of that yeah Um, something that's something that needs saying, I think, as far as that goes is there's only so many people that can actually do it because there's only so many people that choose this as what they do that has also had dark enough experiences that it's that powerful. Yeah. So for people that may be listening to this, that think that there might be like 
something that's not right with you because you can't flip the switch and go to this place and just blow everything you've ever done out of the water. It's that's not the case that you're mentally better off. You're not going there. <laughs> yeah, because you can't, yeah. which is not a bad thing. And you trying to conjure up something that is that strong for you is going to not be good mentally. If you start to, if you start to look at your past and there's things that aren't actual real experiences that you can recount to exact detail that were bringing you this association and you start to think about your memories and try to make something, you can end up warping your actual memory of what your life was into something that it wasn't just for the fact that you can use it as a weapon. And that can mess up your head in ways that you don't want. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's the toughest thing. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. That's how I kind of say it is. Um, Cause I remember it was actually the last training session I had in the gym. Like when, before this whole thing kind of hit, I literally blew, I think every single lift out by like 25, 30 pounds. And it was my back day. And I don't think I've ever, I'd never touched any of those weights like that. I was, I told my coach, I messaged my coach. I'm like, I'm not training for the next like three days. I was like, this ain't happening. I was like, I texted him. I was like, I looked at my numbers after a few days and I was like, did I really just beat those by that much? I'm like, yep. It's like, this is, this is kind of cool, but not cool at the same time. I understand you completely saying you can't just, you can't just conjure that up. Like trying to do that is just, it's not good for you. It's not good for us. Yeah. It like like that's the yeah. curse for us is we can go there. That's the blessing, but the curse is that we stay there, and yeah. it kind of sucks at the same time. But I think it's I I'm not as I'm nowhere near the size of anybody who can go there. It seems like everybody else is way bigger, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have ten yeah. years. I have about eight months of consistency. <laughs> <laughs> to truly be honest um but i kind of want to go into now go into your training style and how you developed it especially over the past few years um looking at these guys i'm assuming that's how it came about um but you figured it out on your own too so you weren't on social media and then you figured it out kind of how did you formulate that now into what it is and then go over and then you can go over like how you actually do it because a lot of people are always stuck on volume versus intensity and i've had steve hall on and i know you love rir and rpe type training so much um so if you kind of just want to go into your kind of just the ways you have it and how you developed it okay so the part that I figured out when I was young wasn't the balance of volume and intensity. What I figured out when I was young is just how to go as far as possible, but I hadn't yet learned where the limit was. So I had tried to move the heaviest things possible for as many reps as I could for as many sets as I could until I couldn't. And I would do that for as many exercises as I possibly could string along in one day with the time that I had. Yeah. So I didn't have like, I didn't crack the code when I was just getting into it. I was just trying to destroy yeah. myself. So I assume you woke up sores, sores hell the next day. 
yeah. Actually, uh, <laughs> now that you say that, like, um, I wrestled all the way through, like I said, yeah. um, all the way to school. And I would even, like, the day before, like, a tournament where you're wrestling multiple times, and, like, wrestling is, I still say this today, is the hardest thing that you can ever decide to oh, do. Oh, I did it for, like, two <laughs> Just, years, and I was, like, 70 pounds. I couldn't imagine doing it any farther than that. <laughs> it's It's ridiculous. So, like... Thinking about doing that at 100% is hard enough. I would always, before like a match or a tournament, I would train legs <laughs> as hard as I could the day before just so that I could be cripplingly sore. <laughs> so I could make it harder. That sounds horrible, like, my guy. It that was. literally sounds horrible because I've seen your leg training now and I can kind of picture it back then and I'm like, that would probably <laughs> suck. <laughs> But even now, I'm more sensible than I was then because now I'll just be like, okay, hey, I will do a squat today and I will move on. Back then it was, I'm going to back squat, I'm going to front squat, I'm going to safety bar squat, I'm going to do the V squat machine, I'm going to do the leg press after that, I'm going to do some like sumo deadlifts, some real deadlifts. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I just, everything I could possibly do, I did. Damn, you had a ton of hours in your day. I'm pretty sure you had more than 24 hours. That's a... That's a long time to train. I could 100% guess that yeah. works. Well, my my starting point when I started training and I was doing stuff in my own house, one of the two training sessions I did today, one was just resistance. The other one was like those old beach body Sean oh. T and Sanity. <laughs> so like, I was so cardiovascularly fit at the time that I would just do a set and I'd just stand there like <laughs> and do another set. <laughs> Just like, because it wasn't like that cardiovascularly hard. I'd just be like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. Go. Oh my. I feel like I'm ready. Go. So it would be like an hour, two hour session, but I would do an ungodly amount of volume. Yeah. So you went, she went, so the first few years you went balls to the wall, legit balls to the wall. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like it even got to the point where I was like, because I still had that mentality from those workouts, I would time everything. So like my rest periods would be like 30 seconds max. Yeah. And I was still just trying to push as heavy as I could doing big compound movements. Like I was doing really stupid. That's uh, God. I can't imagine kind of looking at my time. Like, like I timed my rest for a while and then I stopped doing it. And I was like, I can't imagine going like doing a compound movement, going below like two minutes anymore. Like I really just can't like my legs just can't take it when I squat. Like (laughs) I can't imagine giving myself just 30 seconds after doing a set of like six. (laughs) It was terrible. So, so going to, so you went ball ball, and then how did you progress from that? From that, I had to learn that my body had a limit and that after a couple of years, like my progression hadn't really moved that far. Like I was kind of like, I was improving, but it was slow enough that I was like, there's something that I need to do because it just wasn't cutting it at some point. So by senior year, I had started like thinking a little bit more and I just, I dropped the time rest periods after wrestling was done. Like I had no interest in doing like the crazy cardio anymore. So like I had dropped all that. So my ability to actually train effectively, plus I was able to eat. So like this whole other thing throughout, 
throughout wrestling, like the the five years that I did it through like high school, I, I was brought up in eighth grade uh, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, high school. Um, but from that point, I was weight cutting. Like all the time. All yep. the, yeah. So I was weight cutting and then like through the off period, like the off season when I wasn't, like I still was like staying down so that I didn't have to lose 80 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So like I was, my body naturally wanted to be at like 180, 190 throughout all of high school, but I had to be under 152 for wrestling. Oh, yeah. So by junior year, I had decided like I'm either, I told my coaches, I was like, you're either not having me anymore or I'm not cutting. And so I stayed at where I was. And I was about 190. So I, I stayed at like 183-ish so that I could move down to 182, wrestle there, or I could be at 195 or 220 based on who the best wrestler on another team yeah. was. That was my role. But anyway, I had to cut so much that like my body weight was artificially down. And I was training so much. like I was doing practices for whatever sport, like two, three hours a day. I was doing my in like insanity cardio stuff before school in the morning at like six, uh, 6 a.m. And then I would also go to the gym after my practices. All right. So I was doing physical activity for like eight hours a day. Your metabolism was pumping. <laughs> and I was also eating yeah. nothing. So. so basically once I got to senior year and like everything was done with, like I was eating semi-normally, like my activity was way down. So I was able to start getting stronger and start to actually put on more muscle because I just, I wasn't that drained all the time anymore. Yeah. And then from there, I just kind of was like, Oh, holy cow, I can actually do this. And Oh, I can go and train and everything doesn't always hurt. Where'd you go from? Where'd you go from that year from kind of once you stopped, like within that year, what did your weight go from? Did you go from like 190 to like 220 or something? Mm, I didn't shoot that far. I was like, I went from like my 183-ish yeah. I was during the wrestling, and then I moved up to about 200, okay. and then I stuck about 200. Oh, so you stuck, so you stuck um, for a while. That's actually pretty, probably pretty good to do. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fairly reasonable. Um, so I stayed around there, and then after that was done, and I got into college, first year or two, I hovered between 200 and 215. And then after that point, I kind of put a couple more things together because I'm actually I'm in school for exercise science, kinesiology, biology, uh, double major with a minor. I've spent two years in a biomechanics lab doing research. Um, so like I'm plugged in with all this and I spend obviously all of my free time in this space because yeah. it's what yeah. I do. So at that point is when I started really amassing my knowledge into training and the philosophy and all just like the actual practical application and then applying it and seeing what worked for me and what didn't. And by that point I had started figuring out because I still hadn't made like insane change by like freshman year. And I kind of had to sit myself down and figure it out. And then from freshman year where I was about 200 to now I'm in my last semester of my senior year and I'm 250 right now. Yeah, so you're sitting, but I wonder how much, because if you look at someone who is biomechanics, I kind of want to ask you this kind of too, because finding exercises, and I think you're you're a big proponent on this one now, is exercise selection too. Um, yeah. How has that helped you so far? I think, because a lot of people don't realize this, especially when they're 
programming their own workouts is finding what fits for them. Uh, a lot of people always yeah. think that a barbell back squat is going to work for everybody. Um, a front squat or the opposite, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just depends what you do. Like more, like I tried in my gym, I just moved to, I finally tried a safety bar because I finally had access to it. And I've realized it's so much more works better mechanically for me. Like I was almost doing the same weight I was doing back squat as I was doing safety bar. And I was like, all right. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I was like, that one gave me the least amount of shear on my knees and everything. And then yeah. the back squat does. So now I know that I don't need to program a back squat. Like, yeah, I know how to push myself, but I can overcome that. So, and then, so kind of, I guess, kind of your last few years, you've turned to learning from others too. So... How has that been really beneficial for you? And is that when you've seen like your most progress is probably within the past few years and like creating the whole Instagram page? I'm pretty sure you could go with that's a whole different story too. Um, Kind of go into developing that and then who'd you look up to and how did you develop from them? Like that's like kind of the big question I kind of want to know because a lot of people don't. And then we can get into this is where your intensity versus intensity will come into because I'm going to assume everybody you look up to is intensity focused. Uh, But that's just my assumption. So I kind of want to know. So go through like who you look up to and then how like you figured out your style now from them and such. So when I started really digging deeper into the actual, like I'll answer this question first, cause you talked about it a little bit, how, how much the knowledge of the actual exercise science and the biomechanics of movement yeah. helps with exercise selection. It helps so much that I forget how helpful it is. Like I don't remember a time up to this point that I didn't know the things that I know. So like the way that we we look at like dieting in the fitness world, like once you've done tracking, you just, for a long time, you just look at food as macros. You you just like look at a plate and you're like, I know exactly what that is. And that's how you look at it. Like everything is like a dissection from there and you know all the pieces. You can just look at it for a split second and it's there. That's how I look at movement. There's still things that I'm not a master of, but the things that I am confident enough in that I've learned, I've learned through my time and I've experienced myself and experienced through the experience of other people that I've worked with personally or people that I respect and look up to. Those things that are like set the framework for the way that I look at movement, it's the same way that like a dieter looks at like food. Like I see somebody move and I see a thousand pieces of like information just sitting there. And it's like, okay. It's kind of like an eye that you build after knowing enough. You lay enough of a foundation and that's just the way that you think. Yeah. Being that it's, it's so deeply ingrained up to this point that I forget how much is there because it's just like, oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, I just, that that's just that. Yeah, why don't you see that? Yeah. You know? So like when I build programs and stuff, I just kind of feel like this is just a program like any other, you know, it's sets and reps basically. And then you hear 
I, I hear like people like I look up to like Jordan shallow, the prescript guys, like people that are really high level in programming that know more of the deeper anatomy that are really like masters of it. And I go, Hey, I had that right. Hey, wait, that's important too. I knew that, but I didn't know that I knew that. So like the things that I already knew that I make a priority aren't like things that I consciously think about when I build. It's just things that are there now. So when I think about like what my greatest assets are and my abilities, I don't think of it that way. Cause it's just like this, I expect everybody knows. Yes. This. You know? So into a degree, we all end up that way after we know enough in anything that you're good at. It's like you start just talking the language of whatever it is that you've heard so much of. You just expect other people just like, what, why don't you know this? Yeah. yeah. So um, just to cover that, um, your other question was people that I look up to. Yeah, so kind of who have you learned from and what have you taken from them if you kind of want to go into it to kind of develop what makes you unique in your own way? So, like I said, where I came from, I just pushed everything to the absolute limit. So, like, taking it from that side of things and then having to pull it back, kind of peel back the curtain and see what's behind there and, like, what needs changing I went and I looked for basically the opposite. So I went and I looked and this isn't to say anything bad about this, but like I found Mike Isertel in the RP crew. So they were like one of the first academic sources that I found that was in a applied movement. So like their actual programming and all the things that go behind it, the exercise science yeah. space. They were the first academic source that I looked to that was kind of sitting in both fields of like being practical applied in the actual field of movement that I was interested in, you know, powerlifting, bodybuilding, yep. you know, physique, strength sport, and also very deeply academic. Yeah, they're very, they're very so, smart. <laughs> oh, oh, geniuses. Uh, so I found them first, specifically Dr. Okay. Mike. So I started like getting into all of his information that led me to like Eric Helms and that led me down the rabbit hole to like everybody else, like Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler. And like basically that opened up the entire door to evidence-based fitness. And that's just kind of, I started absorbing everything that I could see. Yeah. I started with, I started Um, with the muscle and strength pyramid books. So I started directly with Eric Helms. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So that's a great place to start. Um, so I kind of started there because I knew that I needed to find somebody that said the exact opposite of what I would say. So actually take it back a step. My first influence ever was Ben Pakulski ever was Ben. My base in exercise execution, which is what was always the drive behind what I did from like the most foundational level in my understanding of movement started with Ben. I did his programs when I was in high okay. school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't believe I glossed over that because I was a huge piece of this, but so he was the first person. And then after that point, like I kind of, I went down a rabbit hole with his information. Yeah. And I went through a period of time where it was like execution over everything. And then I just didn't move any weight. And then I was like, Hey, this isn't doing anything. So then I kind of figured out like that wasn't actually the purpose of what he was saying. 
It's like execution over anything else just meant execution first. Yeah. Doesn't mean execution only. So like moved on from there, got like really extreme with good execution, the best that I knew how at the time, because I didn't have a great grasp of actual movement mechanics. I just kind of listened to what was told to me. Um, so starting from there, I had that, but I was still taking it as far as I could. And if you've ever like seen a program that he's written. I've never actually seen one that he's written, to truly be honest. No. Okay, so just to give it a short, he he is insane. Okay, so like his in anybody that's been in his space and has worked with him, he might be the person in the world that is the most tolerant of volume and total and load together. So like I trained using his like template that he built of his own training for an Arnold Pratt for like two years. Oh shit. Yeah. So it was an insane amount of volume. It was like intensity techniques out, you know. Oh yeah. I've seen it on videos. I've seen him do leg. I've seen him show people how to do leg days and it's, it blows my mind what he does on like a final set. Yeah. So like it was that, that I did for like two straight years. Yeah. So I was going there and doing all that stuff and following him religiously. So then I pulled back a little bit and I, I found like, you know, everybody else that I just named. And then that kind of opened me up to seeing the other side of the perspective where like, that was more like experiential, all the things that he had, like he had some book knowledge too. And he learned from people that he, he had believed were smarter than him for the origin of his information as well. Just like everybody that's good at anything does. But from where he started and where his information led me, I had to find more in since I was actually in academia within the space, I turned towards that, the book knowledge, and then started to look for people that had a better translation of the book knowledge. Hmm. And that's how I made that bridge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So really roundabout way of getting there, but I've never actually talked about this at length. So yeah, it's like, really interesting to actually hear yeah. how you came about this. Cause I feel like a lot of people take away from those guys and then they develop from themselves. Like they're always, I still say like, give a shout out back to Steve. The best podcast I one of the best podcasts I've ever heard is when he had both Jordan Peters and Mike Isertel on the same episode. Yeah. And they both preach two kind of separate things, but the same thing at the same time. And it's yep. kind of insane. So, so then how did the intent, so you got the volume from, I'm assuming both of them in a way. Yep. And then where did the yep. intensity factor come from? Did it come from Jordan and all those guys? Like it came from, all right. So it came directly from, from your experiences that you had before with being able to push past the thing. And then, yep. and then you kind of just, by training that way, you kind of found Matt Jansen and all them. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Because I was, when I was in high school, I stumbled upon like Machiavelli motivation and like those things. So like you only knowing that I had of all those people was just like these videos. Yeah, these five minute videos that I, that I always watch too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I didn't know really anything about them personally. I just kind of like knew their physiques and everything because I wasn't like super plugged into social media. And at that time, they weren't really either. It wasn't a mandatory thing until kind of recently now. Um, So back then, I just kind of knew them as going as deep as they always could. 
So that fueled me as, as well as like my own experiences and what I enjoyed doing to just take it as far as I possibly could every time. And then once I got into the space a little bit more and I wanted to, you know, get on social media and see what I could do there and see what everybody else was doing so I could be a part of a community because I was always by myself yeah. with it. Once I got onto social media with Instagram, mostly, I started to find other people that trained the way that I do. So I I found JP probably a year ago. Yeah, I would say that's what I did too, yeah. Yeah. So like JP, I knew about about a year ago. Like people like Matt Jansen, I found out about like a couple of years ago because of uh, yeah. Dallas. Because Dallas was a big thing for yep. a while. And then, yeah. So, and then I found out about Matt through him and then kind of found all of the people in Matt's network through Matt and just kind of, it all branches out in that same way. Okay. We're like, once I found Jordan, I found all of the people that he has worked with and were in his space and then kind of like followed all of them and kind of, at some point I realized like, I'm kind of just like these people. <laughs> in my own way, you know? So like I had something that I could resonate from just like nothing that they really said, you know, like what they say is still meaningful and I'm not taking that away from them. Um, but in a way like I'm, I'm on Jordan Peters, site and you know, like I'm, I consume their media too, but honestly looking at people's training that do that doesn't motivate me the way that it does most people. How so? Um, and I notice that. So I don't get much out of watching other people's training, really, because I don't need anybody else to show me exactly how far I need to go. Because I started and my foundation was built off of the fact that I can go above and beyond. And then if I have to, then I'll go until like there's nothing left in here. Yeah, to use. you already you already learned that. They're they're trying to pull that out of as many people as possible, and you've already learned it. I understand completely. Yeah. I learned it. I actually learned it from JP's kind of page. So I followed him, like you said, around a year ago, and then when I started taking it really seriously, that's why I joined his site. And some of the shit that he does is. <laughs> pretty insane and the stuff he says like right before he lifts like that's where you kind of learn it from like like people always people always kind of laugh at me they're like why do you watch a guy train i'm like because i want to see what he does and then translate that to my own way and it's kind of you got to see it by example um jansen i just recently kind of found uh he's been more of a recent guy but then you go through his whole thing with nick walker and all those guys and there's some pretty big boys. Um, yeah. And then I found Ben. And then I've kind of just now I'm more following, like we were saying before, with uh, the real bodybuilding podcast, which is uh, Fuad or Bodybuilding at Bullocks, which is Fuad and uh, Luke. And you see Luke and Luke's basically Dorian 2.0 in a way, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. And uh, I kind of follow their training style where they do one one all out set and then one back off like that's kind of how i've now trained for at least the past few months where it's been like that's like my lead up i do a few warm-up sets and then go all out um and is i wonder did you like fanboy too real quick when they started like shouting you out on their pages and stuff like that like like 
they saw your lifts and I'm it's out of respect. We went over this for it's they respect someone who does what they do. So have you ever like actually like had a conversation with all these guys and like you know, be like fanboyed a little bit when you kind of saw like them kind of just show up on your page and like shout you out and stuff? Um I've actually never had a conversation with Jordan Peters. Okay. <laughs> never. So But you have with Matt. <laughs> Yes, I have had conversations with Matt in the DM. Um, and yeah, every time that I have a conversation with like, or even just get like a like or something from somebody like that, or just see that they viewed my story. I'm just like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And it is like a little bit of a, a fan, like, like, you know, like the awestruck feeling. It's like, holy cow, like this is just somebody that I've always looked up to. And just like, and actually, I want to peel back to something yep. after this, uh, say something. Um, but yeah, every time that I have a conversation with somebody like that, that I hold in really high stature in my own head, I'm like, holy cow, like this is, that's not even, that can't be real. Like it just can't yeah. be real. So, but it, but it is because it's right in front of me. I'm like, what even, that's amazing. So, um, at a couple months ago, like, uh, Luke Sando, he followed me back and like that was like, that blew my mind. That's pretty sick. <laughs> it, it absolutely blew my mind. Like, like those moments, like when him and like Matt gave me a follow, like Matt actually like had a conversation with me. He replied to a, a story that I put up about uh, grip, uh, grip position uh, and pressing mechanics. And he asked me a question and I just gave him all the information I possibly could. He was like, yeah, right. and then he and then he and then he wrote a post about that like the next day, and I was like, and he used it, and I that's when I like kind of had an awestruck moment about you, is when I saw your name pop up right on a post that he put about him doing the the chest press with it, and then yeah. I changed it like the next day. I tr- it was my chest yeah. day, so I tried it, and I was like, oh shit, this actually works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So every time that like something like that happens, I'm just like, even like this is this is crazy. I even sit there like if I'm messaging with somebody like that, like I rethink what I'm saying a thousand times because I'm like, do I sound like an idiot? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to leave like a bad impression. But at the same time, like the only thing that can like pull you back from that too is just like we're all doing the same thing. Like as much as somebody is a celebrity in our own like space, like we're all doing the same thing. They have mutual respect for each other for doing this. And it's really kind of a small community too. So if you are getting recognition from those people, it's like, that's, that's awesome. Like, sweet. You're, you're on the right track. But at the same time, we don't have to like, you didn't just get a like back from like Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, like you don't have like somebody that's that huge in stature, like being like, Hey, you're awesome. So like, there is a point where it's just like, we're all people. And even to that degree, if it was Michael Jordan, it's just, it's just another yeah. person, you know? So like, even though we all are at different stages in our own development, we choose to do different things with our lives and we come from different places. Like we're all just people doing a similar thing. So having the respect from people around you is, is a basic human need. And it's awesome to have, especially from people you respect yourself. So it's just, I see it as part of like becoming actualized in a little bit of just a confirmation more than anything else that you're running in the right direction. Yeah. At the least, just keep doing whatever it is that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I've 
because I've had the same thing. So last week, um, so I was listening to the It's Just Bodybuilding podcast, and I literally, I think I shot it, Ron Parlow and Dusty out on my page on like my story, and I and like me and Ron had a quick conversation, real like real fast. Like I'm like I'm working on this, and I told him about it, and he's like, "Awesome, dude, send me the link," and I was like. You serious? I'm like, you want a link to my show? I was like, all right. So I like sent him like a link and I was kind of like, oh shit, I wonder if he's going to check it out. I was like, this would be freaking awesome. I was like, I was like yeah. waiting to see if Canada was going to pop up on my, uh, on like my things to see if Canada got some more listens. Cause I was like, if it got more listens, I'm like, it's cause of him. So, but it was like the coolest thing where we just had a quick conversation. He was like, yeah, just send me the link. And I was like, all right. And I was like, cool, if you get the chance to listen to it, let me know what you think and everything. And he was like, yeah, we'll do. So, but it's just like, that's like the cool part about these guys is that like in the bodybuilding industry, you don't realize that they're human. I think a lot of people always see them as, especially for us or someone who's kind of lower, kind of working up to it is we see them as like stars, like complete, yeah, like complete idols, like you never think you're going to be able to have a conversation with them, but you can literally send them a DM and they will answer. Fuad answers every yeah. single DM that I send him. Like if I have a question on training, I'll send him a, I send him a question and he'll answer it. Like that's like how cool these guys are. It's like they actually care for the people who are trying to do good things in the industry and not yeah. for like those people that hate on them. Like that's the thing. Like they separate who's actually doing the good, who's doing the bad, which is yeah. just like a respect thing among all these guys like you like they don't care how big you are they care how hard you train and they care what you're giving back to the industry yep. which is like the coolest thing i still think that i would i would fail i'd be freaking out though if luke's hand now followed me <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing like the the people the people that i have been able to connect with over the last like four months like five months ago, no, four months and one day ago, I would have said, "You're there's no way. There's absolutely no way that I would ever be even able to contact one of them and have any sort of a back and forth other than like, hey, yeah, man, cool. You know, just like the basic DM, like, hi, I recognize you. Now go yeah. away. Like, I never, ever would have thought that I could ever have a conversation with these people. But then after like a little bit of time, it's just we're all people trying to do the same thing. Yeah, and I, and it just becomes a realization. So. Yeah, it's a cool thing. I think you're you're heading the very right direction too. I think you're gonna help a lot of people out. So maybe you should be maybe you should be thinking about starting your own uh, subscription website. <laughs> yeah, um, in, in the works. In the works. But uh, <laughs> but I kind of want to go into one last topic, and it's uh, a lot of people don't know this about you is that you do coach, and. I think it's kind of something that you don't really promote too much, but you promote it also. Yeah. But I kind of want to go into what have you learned most from coaching others too? So you have all this information now putting it in a way that you can coach so many people to make change in their lives as well. Like what's the, what's the best thing you've learned from being a coach and trying to help others succeed in their journey? Um, I'll peel it back Uh, for the first client that I ever had was a friend of mine that I'll just leave unnamed because he probably wouldn't want to be named but um, a friend of mine that I grew up with 
went through sports with, went through high school with, and by the end of high school was so dangerously overweight that like he had like an eating issue yeah. and put himself in the hospital okay. for it. Or like he, he was like in, he was in trouble. He was in trouble. And he came to me for help. And from senior year of high school on, I trained him in person when I could. And I had helped him remotely as much yeah. as I could. And throughout that time, like we had gotten him to like, from about like just over 300 at like 310. He got down to like 220. Oh, wow. And he, would, he had like crippling back issues, just like he couldn't do anything. So most of the training sessions we did together, I had to, if I had a plan when he walked in the door, I had a completely separate plan that ended up getting done. Oh, okay. So learning how to be adaptable was a huge thing, especially at, at the age that I was. I had to figure out like things don't have to be exactly the way that you might plan them to be, to be perfect. Sometimes just doing the work is doing the work and doing the work is what matters. So I learned that I learned a lot about how to actually the, take yourself out of it to a degree and just only think about what it is that that person in front of you actually needs from you and give them the best of your ability, what they actually need rather than what you think that they need because of what, where you want them to go projecting your own wants or needs for them gets them nowhere. You listening to them and you take them for what they are. And then you try to bring them to a place that's better than they are when they came to you. That's really, that's what really coaching should be in my opinion. And that's something that I learned from my very first person because he came to me in pretty much the most dire straits that anyone really could be. And through years, we were able to kind of help him get on his feet, get him to figure out the eating situation, quell some mental issues, know how to get like some coping strategies, some stress management strategies, help with mentality around food, help with actual structuring, help with training and actually enjoying training. And up to this point, he's a monster now, by the way, he's, from where he was, he could barely do like a row of any kind because of yeah. his back. By the time we were done working in person, he could deadlift from the floor, 315. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And he could squat to full depth without an issue, front squat, back squat, any sort of squat you wanted to put on him. He could one, <laughs> this is the one he, he was most proud of. He could one arm dumbbell row, the 140s. <laughs> so you, the dude just became an absolute animal. And throughout the years that I've been friends with him, he's just every year he surprises me with the person that he is just, it's just a whole new person every time. And I'm much more and more proud of him every single step of the way. So there's people like that, that like he laid the foundation of everything that I know as a coach. So all the knowledge that I gained through like learning all the things from, you know, all the academic sources that I've gone through the schooling that I've had, then Eric Helms, Dr. Mike, it's everybody down the rabbit hole of evidence-based fitness. Everything that I've learned throughout my time, it all started really there. 
because I had to learn things so that I can provide something to this guy that needed me. And that's still where a lot of my motivation to keep on getting better comes from. So I haven't been coaching um, consistently throughout college because of time. But anybody that ever asked me for help, I could never, ever tell them no. Ever. So anytime that I had somebody that needed something, I gave them everything I could. And if I couldn't, then I was working to figure out a way that I could. Or a person that was better than myself for the problem they needed solved. Yeah. So that's always been just a foundational thing that I've run off of with every single person I've ever dealt with in this space is if I can help you, I'm going to do the best that I can. And I'll give you 110% of anything that I ever could hope to do now and anything that I wish to do in the future. And if I know that my service isn't what's needed, I, I send you off to somebody that I know and confidently can say will do a better job than I will. Yeah, I think that's so. that's been the one thing I've kind of taken away from it all is like, like i think my first client she lost she lost 10 pounds like we got 10 pounds off of her but like she wrote a testimonial on on my instagram page because she allowed me to put it on there and it was like just just like 20 sentences like something about everything and like she was like he changed my whole mindset and right when i was like that like that means so much more to me than even just the physical change like yes a lot of people are so concerned with the physical change that they're not concerned with the mental change that happens from everything. And I think that's what I've taken away most is like, I'm willing to give as much as I can. Like a friend asked me for advice. I get really deep into it and give them as much as I have and knowledge into it. And they're like, I really didn't need all that. And I'm like, you probably will at some point, at some point a question is going to come up that that information is going to answer. So I'm like, so in this industry, through this through the podcast through my coaching i'm just like give 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 and that's why i have different people like you and everybody on the show is because you guys shed so much knowledge and people should be recognized for giving that knowledge to people so um first off i want to say thank you for coming on the show um i do the same three questions with everybody um on the show that's kind of how i close it so the first question is uh what three things do you think everybody should leave with if you could summarize the this episode i know it was a very all over the place type episode but yeah that that's how all of my thoughts go (laughs) no matter who i'm talking to or what i'm talking about that's usually the way it goes um I don't even know. That's a, that is a hard one. That's, that's a stumper. Um, if I'm going to summarize, it doesn't matter where you're starting from as long as you know the general direction that you need to be going in. So no matter who it is that you are, when you started, doesn't matter how down you might feel, what it is that brought you into this space. If you have a real passion for what you do, no matter what it is, and especially being here, there are people that are like you. And there are people that will be able to level with you no matter what it is that you experience. So, and not in all cases is, this can be point two, not in all cases, negative experience that you've had in your life is always going to be a negative experience for you. 
So if you do have a negative experience that puts a chip on your shoulder or clouds some of the white space inside of your mind, that it doesn't always have to be something that brings you down. It's something that you can use as a tool as long as you know how to control yourself. Let's see. Point three. Point three, everyone's a human being. Everyone comes from a different place. We're all here for slightly different reasons, but we're all the same people. We're all in this really odd niche of fitness. Fitness is an odd niche of society in itself that most people don't participate in. And then we are within a much smaller category of actual dedicated bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, like the actual sports themselves within fitness. And then beyond that, we're in a further niche of being evidence-based slash very driven by like intensity-based training, which is like another, like that, that is a whole other smaller subset of people. So within that community, we have, you know, we have a fair amount of people here, but even just with the evidence-based fitness community within the sporting realm of fitness, we're all just the same people. We're all just the same people that come here from different places. So anybody's experience other than your own may be similar enough that you have the same feelings about what you do that they do. So there's absolutely no reason to think that one person just because of where they are in their own development is actually above you in any way. We're all the same. Some people may have some other life circumstances that makes them better able to achieve their goals than you. They may have better genetics than you. They may have more money than you. They may have better connections and networking and they may just have things that you don't, but that doesn't mean that they're any better than you. Just means that they're another person with another set of circumstances and you can still learn from each other and you can still gain something from being in the space with people that you may not be able to level with eye to eye, but they're still, they're still in the room. Yeah. That, that oh. last one's really big. I think that was something I took away from that when you were describing that whole scenario about all the people that you've come to learn from over the past few years. Um, so second to last question is what three books and or podcasts would you recommend everybody kind of read or listen to? Okay. First one book, literally any anatomy and physiology textbook, literally any of them. Pick one up, read it cover to cover, not just the muscle physiology so that you can walk through this space and you have some sort of foundational knowledge so that you have at least somewhat of a bullshit sensor. Because we're, we're in a space where luckily if you just randomly fell here and you found all the people that led into this space, this very small niche within fitness, like we talked about, you're lucky enough to already have quite quite amount of, uh, a large amount of censorship within the information that you're looking at. And a lot of the bullshit has already been pulled out for you. But if you had no foundational knowledge to go off of, you have no idea if one person with a PhD behind their name is any more, you know, research backed than another. And you'll be just as susceptible as the person that is a complete lay person that doesn't, involve themselves in fitness whatsoever 
to whatever, whatever it is that they might be trying to sell you, whether it's an idea or a product. So having just a general understanding of what the body is and does is the most important, most foundational piece to you doing anything within this space, whether or not you're just a consumer or you're a producer of information. So that'd be number one. Um, number two, I would say podcast, uh, Stronger by Science with Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler. These guys are absolute geniuses. In a lot of ways, I look up to the both of them. Um, In their information on their podcast is that they put out a ton of information, a ton, and it's all very well backed to the nth degree. So you can listen to them and you can be pretty confident that their takeaways are going to be practical takeaways that you can actually think and apply. So they take very abstract ideas and make them very real. And for somebody that already has a foundational knowledge, somebody that doesn't have that, you're going to listen to them and it's absolute gibberish. Like they can make things digestible to a point where somebody that has some sort of an idea foundation can understand. But if you don't know anything, then you're just not going to have any place listening to that. Cause it'll just be two hours of you sitting with your eyes peeled open. Like, I don't know what the last 12 words were. So once you have a foundational knowledge, I would definitely spend a lot of time listening to them catch up to everything that they've ever said. Um, and I will tack on to number two mass monthly applications and strength sport, which is by Eric Trexler, Greg Knuckles, um, James Krieger, uh, Eric Helms. There's probably more on the list now because they're expanding uh, rapidly, but all of them are great translational um, sources of direct research into practical takeaways. I would lump that in as the same category. Definitely get on top of that. If you want to know things that you can't possibly keep up on, you can't read a hundred, a hundred studies a day and have a life. So they do that for you. (laughs) So, um, and third, I'll, I'll say both of them. I'll just make it a category. It's just bodybuilding and bodybuilding and bollocks or just, you know, real bodybuilding. And I say those two because out of the the last two, they're pretty serious. They're serious down to it information that will give you some practical takeaways. That'll be really helpful for you. And it'll guide the way that you think and the way you practice everything that you do in the gym, outside of the gym, basically your entire life. And they're pretty, pretty good ideas for you to go down anyway. But you can't always just be consuming information or else you turn into a, a head case. So third category would be just some people that are just, they're in the space and you can respect them. So you know that the words that come out of their mouth has some credibility. They've been around for a while. They do the do, they talk the talk and they walk yeah. the walk. And they're hilarious. <laughs> so something that people in our space don't usually get is like a lot of the time because we are such a niche population of people we don't have like a ton of friends like personal friends that we can go walk up to and talk to or hang out with 
that are like it, into the same exact things that we are. Like they might do the gym, but they don't do what we do. It's different. So they're not going to be spending all of their free time watching or listening podcasts. They're going to spend their free time seeing the newest shows that came out on Hulu, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything bad about that because that's a great way to spend your free time. Relax, enjoy your free time because it should be free. Do whatever you like with it. But if you're somebody that purposefully will choose to sit down and watch two bodybuilders just talk shit. Those, those are two great podcasts. Yeah, yeah. If you just want, if that's what you will choose to do over everything else in your free time, then you're different from most people. So having the ability to go and do that and know that there are people that are in the space that are actually relatable that you can just look at and listen to and they'll, they'll just make you laugh. They'll say things that you've probably thought but never said out loud because you don't have any friends in your immediate area that you can talk about things with in the bodybuilding space. Because you make a bodybuilding joke to any normal people, they're like, what? Like, they yeah. don't know. They, they don't know. It. They, so being able to just unplug but still be consuming something that's within your interest is super valuable. So I would say both of those very highly rated would recommend. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend those. We were talking about that before. Like, those are the three shows that I listen to now, like religiously. Like, yeah. can't complain about them. They give a little humor, but they know when to get serious and talk about bodybuilding. So, everybody, if you're really yep. interested in learning actual personalities behind it, listen to those four guys. Ron Partlow, Dusty Hanshaw, and then Luke Sandow and Fuad Abiyad. Those guys are the real shit when it comes down to it. Uh, And last question, just a quick, uh, I know you said it in the beginning of the show, but where can people find you? Kind of shameless plug yourself if uh, they want to get more information about you or coaching or anything. Okay. Okay. They can find me on social media, um, so Facebook under my name, Nick Gloff, spelled phonetically, nothing weird. Um, same thing on Instagram. Um, I also have, like we talked about earlier, I do also coach. So I actually have in my bio a link to that if you're interested in that to fill out an application to get things started to start to work with me. Um if there was, if you, we actually briefly mentioned also, I work for or work with really Chris Spearman and I work within his system and I'm a coach within that business as well as a lecturer and a educational content writer. So if you're interested in that space and getting plugged in with him and Ben Pakolsky and everybody that's within the same network, then you can find his information as well and you can get in touch with me that way. Um, before uh, that's basically everything I want to plug because yeah. I don't really have all that much more, but I do want to circle back to something that I just remembered that I want to cap off. Um, the motivation aspect, uh, looking at other people. So I talked about how I don't really get the same sort of motivation from watching people train that most people do. So like watching JP and you know, everybody else yeah. do their thing. That's not to say that I'm not motivated by those people. And I want to make that very clear because knowing that they do what they do 
and seeing them do it does it opens the door more to say yeah but i can do that too and that's motivation to me rather than being like wow i never i never thought you know because most people's at the way they look at it when they see that it's like i've never seen somebody do that before that that's yeah. insane and, and that's like the drive because he, he's like the jp specifically if i can just use him yep. as an, an example like he's the nth degree of intensity so like he's busting through mental barriers all the time and people that don't know how to do that or they want to be able to do that they're like wow i've never seen that that's the part that i don't gain motivation from because i already know where that is i know where to go i know how to go there so that isn't it but knowing like okay it is possible to get where he is it is possible to move those weights and even in a couple of cases that i'm right on the doorstep so things like that motivate me as well as like looking at him and looking at matt and looking at dr mike and all those people that i do look up to looking at what they've built outside of that is motivating to me because somebody that that has the other side of things that has the training intensity that has the mentality behind what i do and i have backing and i have like all the other things that makes you into a good athlete i look more up to like what they do as coaches and entrepreneurs in people within the space as business owners and people that yep. you know that are looked to by everybody else those are things that i look at those sorts of deeper traits that usually aren't what are considered when people consume their media those are the things that drive me that make me think like okay they're setting the standard for what's possible and in that way i can move, move forward towards them so like that's just something that i wanted to make make sure yeah. i said we cap this off because i didn't want to leave that yeah no that's that's kind of a great way they they build they build a community of people that believe in them which is something incredible that they've that they've all have done so i give props to those guys because they've helped build who i am they've helped build who inspire to build who you are so uh just want to say thank you again for coming on uh ended up being a long episode actually um it came from us this is really impromptu guys we literally came up with this date about four days ago so yeah um we originally had this plan for a while and then we finally were able to get a date done and turned out to be a great episode so everybody thank you for listening uh nick thank you for coming on again and uh thank you everybody for listening to this episode